Matthew and uh, chapter 6. We're going to read a few verses together in a moment. It is great to be together and uh, we continue to um, trust God in all things and believe him for great things, don't we? God is a good God and he is on the throne and he is working on our behalf. We might not be able to see everything that is, is about. Some things may at times think, where is God in all of this? But I want to say is, is batting and uh, is contending and uh, he's got our backs and we don't need to worry uh, at all. We're continuing with our series of um, occupants of the house and if you didn't catch it uh, last week, you need to just get on the uh, podcast on uh, the Arena Church website and you'll be able to just download that fantastic ministry that Phil laid the foundation. And uh, one of the things I want to say is we're going to be looking at things now that we're not just wanting uh, visitors of the house. There is a difference. There's people that come and visit the house, good and bad. There's some visitors that I, I, I welcome and, and there are people who, who I welcome and then there's people who would not be welcome in our house. So there's visitors that pass through, but the, the stuff that we're going to be talking about, we're not talking about visitors of the house, we're talking about occupants of the house. That means to say that these, these principles, we're wanting them to live in our house. Yeah. Just, to, just so you understand that, there is a difference, yes? Yeah. Um, and uh, we're going to talk this, this evening with regards to prayer. It's my joy to be able to talk about prayer. It's not because I'm a prayer specialist or I'm the only man who could do the job. There's far better preachers and uh, communicators who ha- have not just prayer summed up in a theological way, but also the practice of prayer. But it just is my privilege to be able to open the Bible today. But before I do that, this is a true story. It's about me. Uh, my parents are here. They can bear this out. And many people who, uh, well, there's a few people who may have been around when I was growing up as a young boy may have remembered this. But the story grows as a young boy growing up in church, I could be quite naughty. I know you find it hard to believe looking at me, but that is the true, the truth. I actually think it was everybody else and I was the good boy and they got it wrong, but anyway. Uh, but the time would normally come for the sermon to start. Aidy's laughing because he's got, you know, a brood of kids and all his kids are like that, but Aidy, don't worry, they may turn out like me. God forbid. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. So when the time came for the sermon... I would normally uh, run true to form and I would begin to play up and uh, not doing as I was told. And there was a theory behind this because I knew that if I started to play up or really kicking off, I knew full well I was going to get a clout, but I was out the meeting, which was great. So I thought this is a good strategy, even as a young boy growing up, I thought if I play up, I'll get one, but it's worth it because I'm out the meeting, all right? And uh, on one such occasion, I was playing up and uh, I was disturbing everybody. And this is absolutely true, isn't it? My mum and dad are here. And uh, my mum was getting agitated as she normally did then. And uh, she took me out of the hall. And as she was taking me out, I shouted to everybody, pray for me. Um, That is absolutely true. So as a young boy, I understood the need for prayer. Okay. Uh, I, I still got a wallop, I think twice as hard, actually. But um, 
I'm going to be talking this evening, that is absolutely true, isn't it, you know, about prayer, okay. So let's read, shall we, from Matthew and chapter 6 and, um, and verse 7. And there's many references to prayer that we could have ch- chose from, but I particularly like this because Jesus is addressing, here's some thoughts for you, uh, and this isn't part of the message but this is an added bonus. Jesus addresses the need to pray honestly, openly, consistently, simply, and quietly. There's some things for us to think about. But let's start, shall we, at verse 5. He says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray. Standing in the synagogues and on the street corners, you can just imagine Jesus saying this, to be seen by men. I tell you the truth. They have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many, I'm going to put this in, fancy words. It doesn't say fancy, but their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debtors as we as often forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Prayer is so important. To give you an understanding of what I'm talking about here, this is nothing mystical, this is nothing deeply spiritual. We get wrapped up, we get bound up, we get frustrated by prayer. Prayer is communicating with God. It's as simple as that. It's you talking to God and me talking to God. And how does he talk back to us? Well, there's references in the Bible where he's spoken audibly, but I've and haven't met loads of people who've said that they felt like God's audibly spoken back to them, although there are a few. But very often in my life, God speaks to me through an impression, a thought, as I'm reading the Bible, when somebody else may say something, and I think, oh, that is how God tends to speak with me, and that is how he tends to speak with us. He is real. And our prayers are powerful. He longs to hear us pray. He wants us to touch Him, to touch His Father, to touch God, and to speak with Him. To hear His voice is so imperative. And as we look at this series, Occupants of the House, we want in prayer to be foundational in your life personally, but also in our lives corporately. That is why we're putting on, on Tuesday, and really I'd encourage you, you know, if you can get there, come to the Bosworth Street building, and we're going to pray, and we're going to seek God, and we're going to worship Him, and we're going to really, you know, press into Him, and and just believe that He's going to speak with us, and He's going to encourage us. uh, John A. Wallace said this, prayer moves the hand that moves the world. Norman Vincent Peale said, prayer begins where human capacity ends. I read um, this book many years ago, and if you've never come across it, um, I would encourage you to get it. 
It's still in print. It's a, quite an old book, and it's a small book, really. But it's called Too Busy Not to Pray by Bill Hybels. Bill Hybels pastors a very large church now in Chicago. And um, I, I just read this book, and it really touched me. I just want to read a, a few words from it, if that's okay. But um, why I liked it, it really summed up my journey. This is what he said. Prayer has not always been my strong point. For many years, even as a senior pastor of a large church, I knew more about prayer than I ever practiced in my own life. I have a racehorse temperament, and the tugs of self-sufficiency and self-reliance are very real to me. I didn't want to get off the fast track long enough to find out what prayer is all about. Several years ago, the Holy Spirit gave me a leading so direct I couldn't ignore it, argue against it, or disobey it. The leading was to explore, study, and practice prayer until I finally understood it. I obeyed that leading. I read 15 or 20 major books on prayer, some old and some new, and I studied almost every passage on prayer in the Bible, and then I did something radical. I prayed. The greatest fulfillment in my prayer life has not been the list of miraculous answers to prayer, I have received, although this has been wonderful, the greatest thrill has been the qualitative difference in my relationship with God. When I started to pray, I didn't know what was going to happen. God and I used to be rather casually related to one another. We didn't get together and talk very much. Now, however, we get together a lot. Not talking on the run, but carrying on substantial, soul-searching conversations every morning for a good chunk of time. I feel as though I've got to know God a lot better since I started praying. There's a confession of, at that point, quite a seasoned pastor, and I really applaud his honesty. The quest of the Holy Spirit, you see, is not to teach teach you about prayer, but it's to stimulate you to prayer, to pray. And I really pray that desire descends on us all, that there's, you know, this desire to be with Jesus. We are encouraged in the Bible to ask, to seek, and to knock. And uh, I want to encourage you uh, in this season that we're coming into to be uh, master askers, to really come before God and ask Him, and really come before God and connect with Him, and really deepen our relationship with Him that will stand us in good stead in the years ahead. But there are five things that I want to say, and then I want to just finish with a real challenge for those people who are battling with unanswered prayers. And I haven't got time to unwrap that, but I do want to make mention of it, if I may. But the first thing I want to say is this, and this is not new material for me. I've been through this stuff before, but, you know, this is my pattern. This is born out of my experience. So that is the best thing for me to share with you tonight. Is that okay? So I don't want it to sound mechanical. You know, I'm wanting the Spirit of God to just breathe upon these words and this time that we have together. But there's just five things that I want to say. The first thing is the posture of prayer. The posture of prayer. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, physically kneeling or standing, you know, our physical posture. Although sometimes you may find it easier to do those things. I'm talking about how we come in prayer. There are four things I want to say very quickly. First of all, it's important that we come humbly before God. We come humbly before him, recognizing that he is God and we are not God. Okay? Some of us actually think that we can sort every problem out. Can I help you tonight? You can't. You're not, you know, Pete will fix it or 
Chris will fix it, or if there's any gyms here, Jim will fix it. It's impossible. We have to come to a point where we humble ourselves and say, God, you are the only one who has control over everything, and I humbly come to you. 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14 encourages us to do this. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear uh, them and I will forgive their land. Sorry, I, I will f- forgive them and I will heal their land. We need to come humbly before God. Secondly, we need to come in purity. We need to come in purity. Jesus encouraged the people that if there is some issue in our hearts, before you come before the altar of God, you need to settle that issue and resolve that issue. There's an element, again, of, of just purifying ourselves before we come before God. And it's so important. But Psalm 24, verse 3 and 4, it t- talks about the, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. You see, God is wanting to approach his throne with purity. He wants us to come simply. We've read it this morning. Don't let start going about babbling on about all kinds of things and with highfalutin, you know, words. And God isn't interested in all that stuff. He really isn't. Now, if that's your language and you have a good grasp of vocabulary, you know, then that's fine. But just come simply, honestly, you know, authentically before God. And fourthly, come in thanksgiving. These are things that I do. I don't just get straight to it. It'd be terrible if all I ever did was just come to my wife and just ask, ask, ask. Or you came to your husband and asked, asked, asked. That isn't how a relationship works. We come with love and adoration and thanksgiving before him. It's important that as we approach God, we just recognize who he is and what he's all about. And we just fall at our knees and just worship him. It's an important. This is the posture of prayer. Secondly, the patterns of prayer. What am I meaning by the patterns? Well, I actually think it is really important that we hold the tension of two things with God. First of all, He is our best friend. We sing songs about Him being our best friend, or I am a friend of God. And I understand that's a tension and we hold that. But at the same time, we need to hold the tension. That we are worshipping the creator of the universe. I get a little bit concerned when all I hear about is that he's my best friend. And they actually treat God like a best friend. And that's come day, go day. Very flippantly, I'll see you at this time, never turn up. But because they're my best friend, it's alright. Friends, I want to tell you, he is our best friend, but he's also the creator God. And that means to say that we come before him with reverence and, if I can say this, and fear. We are coming to an almighty, powerful, majestic God who is not going to smite us, who is not against us, but let's come with some sense of, you know, respect and honor to our God. Are you hearing me? Again, it would be terrible if I lived my life with, with Caroline in a haphazard kind of way. And yet most of us approach our relationship with God, and I'm not wanting to beat us tonight, in a very haphazard kind of way. And God wants to say to us all, each and every one of us, come on, let's, let's lift it, guys. 
Let's do better than that. Let's really press into all that God. We use all the language, let's press in, and I'm going to give everything. We sung it tonight. But come on, let's do that. Let's give him everything. Let's approach God properly and rightly. He is our best friend. He is the greatest friend. He will comfort and love us. But let's also recognize that he is a very powerful God. So there's a pattern of approach, but there's also just some references for those who were interested. We see Jesus, it notes many times how Jesus went to a secluded place for prayer. But Mark 1 verse 35 just mentions the fact that Jesus early in the morning was praying to his father. Now I'm not suggesting that, you know, you have to get up at 5.30 in the morning and pray. That isn't what we're all about. This is a relationship. This is, this is a heartfelt thing. I'm actually better in the evening than I am in the morning. That's said, I'm, you know, I don't want you to think that I'm grumpy in the morning, Annie. I'm not grumpy, am I? But, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the liveliest in the morning. I don't find dragging myself out of that lovely, cozy duvet the easiest thing in the world. There are some people here who are brilliant at getting up in the morning. Anybody good at getting up in the morning here? Just raise your hand. Oh, you terrible lot. You make me feel so guilty. It's not about, you know, praying in the morning. It's just about finding a pattern that works for you. If we want to adopt that principle, Daniel in chapter 6 and verse 10, it notes there that three times a day, Daniel opened the window to Jerusalem and prayed and prayed. One of the things that I find in this pattern of prayer is to find a rhythm that works for you. And certainly find a place where you can pray and seek God. I have the privilege, I do count it a privilege, of um, having time as one of the pastors of the church. And the church, you guys afford me the time to actually go and do these kinds of things that is so important. And one of the things that the time allows me with me, this is not just you know, what I do, but it's, it's my job in that sense. You hear what I'm saying, it's a core, but it's my job. Is that I have opportunities to just take a day out. And there's a place where I go to um, in Derby. It's a convent, interestingly. And it's a time where I can just seek God and pray. And it's so important that I do that, to hear from him, to hear his voice, to pray and seek him. But we must find a place where we do that. Thirdly, principles of prayer. I just want to say very quickly in here, because this is, you know, because I really want to get to the end bit. The principles of prayer, there's three things I want to say. And I know I'm saying a lot of things, but there's three things I want to say. We must understand... When we are praying to him, and we are particularly petitioning him, three things. It's his way, his timing, and his decision. I'll say that again. It's his way, his timing, and his decision. Revelation 17 verse 14 says, He is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And we must understand this principle, this very important principle. Because otherwise we get, you know, into the realms of, well, I've confessed it, so I will receive it. I'm sorry, that isn't how it works. 
There's a balance to all of this. You know, well, I'll command it. Well, you can command whatever you want. You can command whatever you want. Let me tell you, buddy, you can command, and I've had people like this, command whatever you want. We need to be very balanced with this. It's God who is the Lord. It's God who's the king. Anybody with me tonight? And he will determine, because it's his way, his timing, and his decisions. So the last two things that I want to say. So I've said all of that because this is where I want to get to. I honestly think an occupant of the house needs to be prayer. We need to understand how we approach prayer and patterns and principles. But there's an important, fundamental... um, We need to understand this. Because I'm going to use this, this headline phrase. We must understand the need to persist in prayer. To persist in prayer. To persist in prayer. You see, very often we get discouraged, don't we? Anybody with me tonight? We get incredibly discouraged and, and we wonder if God is on the throne and we wonder if God is listening to us and hearing us. But one of the things that God is wanting us to, 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 to do and bring us to a point of is we are totally dependent upon him. If God answered all your desires and petitions immediately, I actually think it would become almost like he's a sugar daddy. You understand the phrase, a sugar daddy? I want to tell you, he's not a sugar daddy. He's wanting to to build a relationship with us. And he knows what's best for us. And he's wanting us to bring to, to a point of relationship where we learn to persist. Persist in prayer. Have tenacity in prayer. All the great characters of the Bible had to persist in prayer. Over the course of this year, I've been just going through the, the Old Testament, and, and I'm going to read from, from Genesis through to Revelation. What is interesting to note about Abraham was, at the age of 75, God spoke to him and said to him, I want you to leave your father's household, and I want you to go to the land that I'm going to show you. And at that point, God gave him many, many promises. One of those promises was that God was going to bless him, and he'd become, into, become a great nation. That was at the age of 75. You must understand something. At that point, his wife was barren. His wife was barren. And then the story rumbles on, and God speaks to him again at a number of different times. And we all know the story how, well, you may not know the story. You need to read it in Genesis, where, you know, Sarah and Abraham become very agitated around this. And they think, I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll give God a hand. So, Abraham's got, uh, sorry, Sarah's got a, a maidservant, somebody who, who helps out. And so she says, you can have my maidservant, Hagar, and you can sleep with her. And so they create an Ishmael. And you see, what needed to happen with Abraham, and over that course of the journey, we come around to, um, God then speaks at the age of 99. He comes and visits them again. He's 99 years old, 24 years later. And then the Bible says that at the age of 100, Sarah's wife bears him a son. But listen to me. That's a period of how long? 25 years. 25 years. And we must learn to persist in prayer. You know, I want Mansfield, this congregation, to be, you know, rocking and rolling. In, but I was expecting it by the end of September. I'm not talking about this September. I'm talking about the September's just gone. 
Because that's just how I'm built. I'm so impatient, it's unbelievable. I'm so wanting it yesterday, I'm so wanting it now, but God says, no Christian, you've got to learn in prayer to persist. And that is why at times we'll have prayer meetings that will feel incredibly hard and incredibly difficult, but it's those kinds of people that will press in who will get the rich rewards. I actually think we quit too quickly. We give up too soon. The old analogy is we're just on the edge of victory and then we draw back and we've just lost it all. Who knows what God is about to do in your life? Who knows how God is wanting to break into your life? You might just be on the edge of a breakthrough. You might just be on the edge of God going to do something amazing. We just might be on the edge of God doing something incredible here amongst our lives. We might be on the, on the verge of just God breaking out. We've got to learn to persist. But there again, it might be another one year, three years, five years. Are we going to quit? Are we going to give up? Or are we going to persist? God is wanting us in prayer to persist. Joshua was just reminding me when I met with him on Thursday, some of the great revivals have come out of just one or two, three or four people who've persisted in prayer. The Welsh revival, how long was he praying? 11 years, just persisting in prayer. Laying it before God for God to move upon that land. We need to learn to persist in prayer. We need to have a grittedness to to persist and prevail. We need to be resilient and we need to have tenacity. So, we've got to be people who persist in prayer. But there is an incredible power in prayer. As we persist. I want to just read something from Matthew and uh, chapter 14, if I may. If you want to turn in your Bibles. Matthew 14 and verse 33. Sorry, I've got this completely wrong. Where's the feeding of the 5,000? Is it verse? Great, okay. Sorry. I had got it right then. Okay. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed, he saw a great crowd. He had compassion on them and healed the sick. And as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the village and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away, but give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. They answered, bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks. He gave thanks. He prayed. And he broke the loaves. And then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. And they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who was, who was about, the number of those who ate was about 5,000 men, besides women and children. May I just encourage you on this? Don't just read the Bible as like, oh, that's a nice story. These are absolutely amazing stories of how God just broke in. And the power 
of prayer. You see, Jesus performed an incredible miracle. But he performed the miracle as he broke the bread and as he prayed to his Father in heaven and said, God bless this food. And what we were saying is, multiply this food to feed these people. And God broke in. You see, your prayers are powerful and your prayers do count. And your prayers do matter. And your prayers have incredible power to change situations. And if you will just come simply, honestly, you know, openly, quietly, privately before God and just lay your requests persistently before God, I believe God will hear your prayers and God will act upon the prayers that you are praying. The power of prayer. I could take you to so many accounts in the Bible of where God broke in in powerful ways and also not just it through the Bible, but I guess if we just had an open mic here and said, guys, who would like to just begin to share with me about the power of prayer? There would be people who would be standing to their feet if you had enough courage and begin to uh, you know, applaud the greatness of God. Why? Because God had broken and usually the source of it was you prayed and God worked powerfully in your lives. So when we encourage in us all to come together and believing for miracles to take place, believing for signs and wonders, believing for salvations, believing for backsliders, believing in this very difficult year that David Cameron says, and a year of recession, we are going to be like Isaac, who's going to plant a seed and it's going to return a hundredfold. We're believing that God is going to bless us. We're believing that we're going to be the head and not the tail. We're believing that we're going to be ahead of the game and not behind. Why? Because the power of prayer. It's not hyping you up. It's just believing that God has got our back. God's got our back. He's got our front. He's got our sides. He's got our top. He's got our bottom. God's got it all sorted. But we need to be people that know God. And reach out to him and pray to him and seek his face and know his will for our lives. He is a God who's wanting to bless us and help us. I believe that miracles are going to be in the house. I believe that finance is going to come to us. I believe that deliverance to addicts is going to be the case in Jesus' name. This is what I am believing for. When I come before God and when we come before God, we're encouraging ourselves and you guys to believe in the power of prayer. So this is an occupant of the house. This is why we need to pray. Because prayer changes things. It changes you, and it can change a town, and it can change a nation. It really can. And if we don't pray, I want to say the floods of darkness will just invade upon us. But if we will continue to pray and press in prayer, and persist in prayer, we can believe God for great things. So there's patterns, there's principles, persist in the power. But I just want to finish with this, if I may. Because there are many people here who would, who would say to me, well, Christian, that's fine. And I've heard far better messages about prayer than I've just heard, but you've stimulated something in me about prayer. But what about unanswered prayer? What about unanswered prayer? What about that prayer that I've been bringing before God and I've been bringing before God and it seems like instead of getting better, it gets worse. Have I got anybody's attention here tonight? Because often we go through things and that could be, feel like it's the case. But I've already said it, God has got it all under control. He's got it sorted. And His ways are not our ways and His thoughts 
are not our thoughts. That's what the Bible says. God's got it all under control. And we need to just continue to just trust God and know that He is God and that He will work out His purposes in our lives. You see, God is not just working out our lives here on earth, but eternity is a very long time. And God will work out his purposes. And let's face it, Abraham was, was given great promises. But the fulfillment of those promises that he was going to be great and all, you know, that his, his seed was going to be, you know, as you looked at the sand, as you looked at the stars, it was going to be as numerous. You know, he actually, the fulfillment of that, he didn't actually see. But God did it. God did it. And we've just got to trust God. Trust God with everything. One of the most difficult things I find as being a pastor and dealing with people is when this whole issue of, well, what do I do with this particular situation? And what you want to do, I don't know what you feel like, Phil, you just want to try and solve it for them. You just want to try and solve it for them. Everything in you, just the compassion. And I think if it wasn't there, you'd be thinking, well, what are you doing? You just want to solve it. But all at times I find myself saying, Chris, is, guys, just trust God. Keep believing for God's best over your life. Don't quit. Don't give up. And that's all we can say with regard to unanswered prayers. I'm encouraging you tonight for those, and I know some of your situations, I know a few people, so I'm not trying to, I'm not, you know, prepared this for you. But I want to say we must trust God with the things of our lives. The things that we can't quite work through. You know, the things that we can't quite, you know, sort out in our minds and in our hearts. Those things that do look worse than they did five years ago. We've just got to keep trusting God that God has got it sorted. Amen? And let's continue with this, you know, foundational truth of inviting prayer in the house. Jesus said he wants this to be a house of prayer for all nations. Yeah. He, want, he was wanting prayer to be in the house and in the atmosphere of all that we do. And when this isn't prayer that just, you know, comes about from, you know, a few spiritual people. This is prayer that we all can engage in. Amen. Prayer is not exclusive, but it is open to everyone. I wonder if we could uh, just bow our heads. And I wonder if Julie would just come and just play something on the keyboard. That would be great. <clears throat> Father, we thank you tonight. Thank you for a great sense of worship presence here amongst us. Thank you for these 